I'd like to talk to you about naming, the technical terms that every trade and craft has. No matter whether you're a truck driver, quantum physicist, or basketball player, you have special words, special terms. And if we're going to study Islam, we need to use special words and special terms, but it is best if they're the right ones. Islam is a totally separate civilization from ours, and it has its own separate language and its own meaning. And its word meanings are based on Islamic doctrine, and I'd like to introduce you to this concept. Let's face this. Right thoughts are very difficult to have without using the right words. Now, let's give an example of using right words and wrong words. It was an attack on September 11, 2001, the so-called 9-11 attack, and there was a commission report, the 9-11 commission report. There were 714 mentions of Islam in the original report. Today, no terrorism report ever mentions any words that deal with Islam, and this is not the way to do business. They've created names such as terrorism, violent extremism, moderate Islam, radical Islam, moderate Muslim, radical Muslim. These terms are all subjective even have no basis in the doctrine of Islam. We need an objective naming system. And there's only one way to do that, and that is to base Islamic terms on Islamic doctrine. And by the way, if we do this, everyone will get the same result. Therefore, the method is objective. Now, everybody knows that Islam consists of submitting to Allah, and Allah is found in the Quran. And the trouble with that is, is the five pillars, which are the fundamentals of Islam, are not found in the Quran. They're hinted at, but not given in full measure. But there are 91 verses that say Muhammad is the model for every Muslim. And from that, we have the Sunnah of Muhammad, his perfect life, his perfect actions, his perfect words. We have his biography in the Sirah. We have his traditions in the Hadith. We know a great deal about Muhammad. Now, let's define Islam. If I'm talking about proper terms, let's define the terms we're using. Islam is the doctrine found in Quran, Sirah, Hadith. Now, get this straight. Any idea that's in Quran, Sirah, Hadith is Islam. Here's equally important. If the idea is not in Quran, Sirah, Hadith, it is not Islam. And I don't care who tells you it is. I don't care if it's the professional engineer at work or wherever else you meet another Muslim. He does not have the ability to create Islam out of his own judgment. Only what Muhammad and Allah say count. So, if an expert agrees with Allah and Muhammad, the expert is right. But if the expert disagrees with Allah and Muhammad, the expert is wrong. So, what do we need with the expert? What we need are Allah and Muhammad, and we'll use them in this talk. We want to have fact-based reasoning. The facts of Islam are Quran and Muhammad, and so therefore everything we say and think should have the basis in that. Remember, we want to have the only two experts that count. All questions can be answered in Quran, Sirah, Hadith. This is objective reasoning, and we can achieve objective naming. Here's bad names, or poor names, radical Islam, extreme Islam, moderate Islam. But it does hint at a problem. We have two different kinds of Islam here, and there's a lot of arguments over which one is the real Islam. But why are there two different types? Well, it has to do with, guess what, Quran, Sirah, Hadith. There are two Islams and two kinds of Muslims. That is because we have two Qurans and two Muhammads. Let's go over this briefly. The early Quran written in Mecca is fairly tolerant, and if we were all that we had, we wouldn't be here having this talk. Mecca, you have your religion and I have mine. Sounds fine. Then later in Medina we have, I shall cast terror into the hearts of the Kafirs. Strike off their heads. Strike off the very tips of their fingers. 
hmm, not so nice. And they're both in the Quran. But it's not only the contradiction in the Quran, there's a contradiction in Muhammad. He taught the religion of Islam for 13 years in Mecca and converted 150 Arabs. He was driven out of Mecca, went to Medina, where he became a politician and a jihadist, and when he died, every Arab was a Muslim. So we have two different people, preacher, quiet, and politician, jihadist, two different kinds of persons. We see this reflected about the jihad in the Quran. In the Meccan Quran, there is no jihad, whereas the Medinan Quran, 24% of it is about jihad. The Sirah, 67% of it is about jihad. The Hadith, 21%. 31% of the total trilogy deals with jihad. Jihad is not a verse or two, it is a complete doctrine. Then we come to the Jews. In Meccan Quran, there's very little Jew hatred, and indeed, the Jews are praised as the best of people. But in the Medinan Quran, there's a great deal of Jew hatred. In the Sirah, there's a great deal of Jew hatred. In the Hadith, there's a great deal of Jew hatred. The complete trilogy, Quran, Sirah, Hadith, has more Jew hatred than Mein Kampf. Think about that. And yet, it's not the whole story because Mein Kampf does not praise the Jews, whereas the Meccan Quran does praise them. So we have a concept which I call dualism. Two different Islams, two different Qurans, two different Muhammads. And so therefore you get into this extreme and radical and moderate. Now let's deal with something else. I'm not interested in discussing religion. What I'm interested in doing is discussing the political side of Islam, which is the Kafir side, the non-Muslim side. Oddly enough, over half the Quran, Sirah Hadith, is written about the Kafir. So therefore, we need to have a language for the Kafir about Islam. The part of Islam that deals with salvation, paradise and hell, is religious. The part of Islam that deals with the Kafir is political. Well, why is that? Because the Kafirs are not in the religion. So therefore, how could they be involved with a religious concept? Political Islam is Kafir Islam. The Kafir is outside of the religion. The majority of Islam is political. We don't talk about salvation and after death. Let's talk politics. Now let's go back to the moderate, extreme, and radical. Let's get this straight. Islam is peaceful and religious. It is jihad and political. Well, wait a minute. Which is it? Peaceful and religious or jihad and political? Both statements are correct. Neither side is more or less or more real. They're used when you need them. That's dualism. Islam is Islam and it includes both Mecca and Medina. So there is no moderate, extreme, or radical. There is simply Islam. Now you'll discover that in almost any view that we want to take in Islam, there will be two points of view. Take your pick. They're both true. When I deal with people who want to argue with me about Islam and they bring up some good things, I never debate with them on those. I never deny them. I never resist them. I say, ah, but let's have the rest of the story. The measure of any Muslim is Islam. So therefore, when we talk about a good Muslim or a nice Muslim, we have to say, well, what Islam does he follow? Well, here's the deal. The good Muslim follows the Sunnah and Quran that is in Mecca. So therefore, a good Muslim, a nice Muslim, is simply one that follows the Quran of Mecca and does not practice the Quran of Medina. Now, Osama bin Laden, as an example, was a good Muslim because he practiced all of the Quran. The moderate Muslim. Islam creates Muslims, remember. Muslims don't cause Islam. So therefore, to get a moderate Muslim, you need a moderate Islam. But there is no moderate Islam. There's only early Islam, latter Islam, Meccan Islam, Medinan Islam. There is only Islam. A, what we call a moderate Muslim is simply a Muslim who's practicing Mecca. He practices the five pillars without the jihad, so he is not a complete Muslim. But he is what we call moderate. 
actually is about half of the doctrine. So the moderate Muslim is a nice person, but what is called moderate Muslim is just simply one who doesn't practice Medina. A jihadist or an extremist Muslim is simply a Medinan Muslim, someone who practices the Quran of Medina and acts like Muhammad did in Medina, which was as a jihadist and a warlord. Now let's deal with another term. We hear a lot these days about migration, migrants. Well, that's not the proper word for it. Islam has a term for migration and it's called hijra. It is so important that their calendar is based on hijra. And what is hijra? The time that Muhammad left Mecca and went to Medina. Now think about that. That's a little odd, isn't it? Because you would think that the beginning of the Islamic calendar would begin with the birth of Muhammad or the birth or at the time of the first revelation of the Quran. But nope, it's based on moving to Medina. Why? Because that marked the beginning of success. So if you want to discuss Islam and people moving around, coming into your country, call it hijra, not migration. Now then, here's a cranky word called Islamophobia. What does Islamophobia mean? Notice that no one ever really defines the term. They just say, oh, you're bad, you're an Islamophobe. I've been called an Islamophobe more than once. So I give a little thought as to what it means. Islam is Sunnah and Quran, so if we're phobic, we have to be phobic about the Sunnah, phobic about the Quran, or one or the other. The Quran says to kill the Kafir and hate the Kafir. The Kafir is a filthy person. Well, hmm. The Sunnah includes beheadings, assassination of artists and intellectuals, mass executions, deception, and fighting in Allah's cause. So let me ask you a question. Is it psychotic, phobic, to be afraid of jihad, assassination, and executions? I don't think so. I think it's Islam fearful, but not Islamophobia. Why is fear of harm called bigotry? Because that's what they mean when they call me names like Islamophobe. They say basically you're a bigot. Well, if I'm afraid of being assassinated, is that bigotry? Let's use another word here, jihad, not terror or violent extremism. Let's get this straight. A jihadi is not a terrorist. A jihadist is jihadist. Guess what? Now, the word is 1,400 years old. It's what's in the Sunnah. It's what's in the Quran. So why do we want to avoid using it? It's not an insult. Jihadists call themselves jihadists. Now, let's cover this real quickly. There are four kinds of jihad. Jihad of the sword, which is the only one that gets written up in the papers. There is jihad of pen and speech, jihad of money, and jihad of inner struggle. Now, Muslims always like to say, oh, our jihad is a spiritual struggle, like my jihad is reaching across the aisle to other people. Well, let's break this down. 21% of Bukhari's hadith are about jihad. 98% of the hadiths that are about jihad are about killing kafirs. Only 2% of the jihad hadiths are about religious struggle. So, is jihad inner struggle? Yep, 2%, but 2% on a test won't pass in my course, particularly when 98% of the jihad hadiths are about killing kafirs. So, jihad is struggle. Jihad does not mean terror. Jihad does not mean holy war. Jihad is a systemic doctrine. It is not offensive to use what's found in the text. Jihad is a complete civilizational war. Jihad is what made Islam successful. It's global. It's eternal. Jihad is the right word. Hijra, migration, is a form of jihad. There's been 548 battles that I've tabulated that have been fought between Islam and classical civilization. Over 1,400 years, that's 60 million Christians, 10 million Buddhists, 80 million Hindus, and 120 million Africans for a total of 270 million in what I call the tears of jihad. The Muslims who killed 270 million called it jihad. Why don't we call it jihad as well? 
Now, terror is a tactic, so we can use terror, but don't confuse jihad and terror. Radicalization, have you heard that? Well, what is radicalization? Well, it turns out when you listen to social scientists and psychologists, they can't really explain it to you, except the radical is dangerous. Radicalization is simply following the Quran of Medina and the Jihad Hadiths. A radical is someone who is obeying all of Islamic doctrine. Now we get to the another weird concept, which is you need to de-radicalize. How do you understand something and not at all and then attempt to change it? How do you de-radicalize without understanding what radical means? How do you persuade a Muslim not to follow all of Islam? Let's say you have a fighter from Islamic State. He's been trained in the Quran of Medina, and you come along and say, well, we don't want you to be dangerous. We want to de-radicalize you. We don't want you to follow the Quran of Medina. And he will be like, what? Are you crazy? That's the best part of the Quran. Here's another word we use that's wrong. A suicide bomber. Suicide is a sin, and you go to hell. Martyrdom in jihad is the highest form of Islam, and you go straight to heaven. Got that? Suicide goes to hell. Martyrdom goes to heaven. So use the right word. They're a martyr. They're not a suicide bomber. Now let's cover some of Islamic terms that they use when they're talking to us, and let's get the real meaning of them. They have their own deceptive naming. Here's one. There's a terror event, a jihad event, and we call for peace, says the imam. Now what does he mean by peace? Well, everybody knows what he means by peace, right? Wrong. In Islam, peace comes only after the Sharia is in place. So when the imam says, we call for peace, he means we want sharia. Another one they say, we call for justice for all innocent people. Are you aware that justice only comes from the sharia? So when he calls for justice, he's calling for sharia. And you know who's innocent? No kafir is innocent. Why is a kafir not innocent? Because they deny the truth of the prophethood of Muhammad, which is the primary sin in Islam. So therefore, if you're a Kafir, you're not innocent. And if you're a Kafir, you're not included in the call for justice. Ah, the Imam says after the jihad attack, we categorically condemn terrorism. Now terrorism, as used by a Muslim, means killing a Muslim without just cause. Just cause is killing a Muslim if they leave Islam, or if they kill another Muslim and it's a process of retaliation. So terrorism is not what you think it means when used by Muslims. Then another one I love, human rights. Well, in Islam, human rights is defined by the Sharia. Sharia human rights means no freedom of religion, no free freedom of speech, no apostasy, no blasphemy, and no critical thought. Why no critical thought? Because critical thought can lead to ideas and conclusions that are outside of the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith, and those are forbidden. No truth is allowed in Islam unless it does not contradict Quran, Sirah, Hadith. Then I love this one, Sharia human rights. Islam was the first to give women their rights. Yes, Islam had, gives women their rights, the right to be married as a child, the right to be inbred, the wife to have your husband beat you, the right to have your clitoris removed, and the right to be part of a polygamous relation, that is, to be part of a harem. So those are what human rights are given to women under Sharia. Now here's an odd one. In America, when we say slander, we mean something about we're saying they're telling a lie about us. Under the Sharia, slander is saying something, even if it's true, that offends a Muslim. So slander has a peculiar meaning under the Sharia. Conclusions. It is impossible to understand Islam without Quran, Sirah, Hadith. We have to use the doctrine if we want to be objective. And ideas about Islam, including names that are not based on the Quran and Muhammad, are simply personal opinions.
We need to use rational thoughts to deal with Islam. And it's very difficult to have the right thoughts without using the right words. We want to use not the politically correct words, but the right words that come from the doctrine. And we should encourage debate, not name calling. The most important idea I've given you in this lecture is the fact that political Islam allows us to debate and use fact-based reasoning and political ideas. If you find this talk interesting, go to my website, www.politicalislam.com, and sign up for my newsletters. Thank you.